Hey everyone, welcome back. This is episode 108 of At the Coffee Table Podcast. I am Jason Clink with my co-host Bob Kahn. And today we have Free Form Friday. Yeah, I don't have coffee. I just got a water bottle. <laughs> Your danger will Rogers Robinson. Nothing <laughs> can happen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're here today to talk about current events. Uh, recent events, maybe even some past events. Uh, we, we like doing this free form fl- uh, Friday, easy for me to say, uh, and just have a little fun with it and have some conversation. So, you know, Bob and I meet during the week and we, we, we get off on tangents on, on sports, on news, on uh, business. So we'll start there. Start with business. And what was it? Two days ago, the Fed comes out. I know we're not going to supposed to talk about politics today, but we'll try to keep it non-political. <laughs> so, you know, a couple of days ago, the Fed comes out. Oh, got to raise interest rates again because you know we got to curb inflation. Even though the only way to curb inflation is to stop printing money, but now we're gonna we're gonna raise interest rates oh, again. So, what's that? Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yes, yes, you did. Not just printing money, but make corporations pay taxes and oh. they've made so much money in the last three years that it's ridiculous they're squeezing what used to be the middle class and blaming it on workers making more money when there's yeah. i guess they don't look out and try to rent an apartment anywhere on a salary of um what fifteen dollars an hour you know when i was a kid in the right. 19th these fifteen dollars an hour, I could have bought a car. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you could have bought a house at fifteen dollars an hour in the sixties. I think I made a dollar twenty-five an hour. Yeah. I was rich. Yeah. I was rich. <laughs> uh, that, that brings up an interesting conversation because, and we'll we'll go back to whole interest rates because I wanted to talk a little about real estate. But um, I was, uh, uh, you know, I had a brief outing last night with some friends, and we were talking about, you know growing up in the eighties and you know, the, the wall phone and, and, and everything. And you think about how extraordinary it is, how inflation and prices have risen on everything from just 25, 30, 40 years ago. You know, I remember before, right before I started driving. So I started driving in 19, I'm going to date myself, 1989, which, Mm -hmm. um, and I can remember that the car ads were like, you you can get this car for $79.99, you know, $7,999. And, you know, even back then, seven, eight, nine thousand dollars seems expensive for a car. And now you go out and try to buy a car, buy a truck, and you're paying forty, fifty, seventy thousand dollars. You know, eight thousand dollars from 40 years ago doesn't seem so bad. You know, it, it, it's interesting since I have a few years on you. Um, Just a few. You could you could actually look up what was the day like when you were born that particular mm-hmm. day. When yep. I was born, butter, no, excuse me, bread was eight cents. Oh, um, sugar was like ten cents a pound, and stuff like <laughs> gas was. I don't know, 15 cents ago. We used to take daily day trips. My father used to take day trips to Massachusetts to see his sister. And somewhere between, in Connecticut, there was always gas wars going on. When I say gas wars, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, 
is you have four corners with gas stations and they're, they're battling each other for, for the business. Yep. Nine cents, 10 cents, 12 right. cents, cents right. a gallon. So my father, I may, and I remember we went up once, my uh, cousin was had a, we go with his car, was an Imperial. You talk about a gas guzzler. Yeah. We had to fill up twice and it's only 250 miles away. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So yeah, I was just looking too. Uh, oh, go ahead. Good. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying I was trying to find the same kind of information for, you know, 1973, but I got to look some more. But the problem that it persists is the average income since 1949 went up 10 to 12%. The average home price has gone up almost 100%. Yeah, more and more. Rents. I remember when I was moving out of my parents' house, um, I went to look for an apartment and it was 250 and it was a pretty good size apartment. I don't know how many square foot of feet it was, but it was a big, big bedroom, good bathroom, a, a gourmet type kitchen, you know, eating, not yep. eating, and a long living room, dining room. Yep. Yep. I was out of my house, so it was wonderful, but I was paying 250. <laughs> then I and, and at the time I really wanted to live in Manhattan because those that's where you wanted to live in the, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was a small studio that was 350 and I went oh, right, my, right. oh my the townhouse that I live here in now here in Jersey back then probably would have you probably could have rented it for three or four hundred dollars i won't tell you what it is now but it's over two thousand wow, wow. a car my first car my first new car was a brand new celica toyota celica fob detroit everything tax license was thirty five hundred dollars that same car today obviously it's better you know more equipment is well over thirty if, wow. they, if they even market it, I don't even know if they market it. Probably close uh -huh. to 35. I don't know many people whose income has gone up that percentage. No, no not at all. And, you know, you and, think about a lot of these these companies or even where I came from in civil service that struggle because yeah. they try to pay salaries that are below poverty. You know, any salary that's below $60,000 is poverty level. And... It's it's tough to manage when you got prices like that. Get you got eggs that are at freaking eight dollars. There, there's again, I have to say this: it's political in nature. The government is not serving the people. Hasn't no. served the people for. I don't know if they ever did personally. Maybe maybe in times of extreme crisis they did, like mm -hmm. with COVID or the crash in in 07 the depression but all they serve is their masters the ones that are paying them through citizens united get rid of that things will change sure things sure. will change again that that's in, but there is no prevention no protection yeah you know those who are making a lot of money say well I'll just get a better job get a better education well my friend if it was that easy, that was good. Oh, try that again. I could do that. 
you know, and a lot of it's in people's heads because they believe they can't make it, but it's not that simple. No. And the purpose, you know, everybody says, well, the government should help us to a degree. They help too much in some things and not enough in others. But everybody thinks, well, you know, the revolution was about freedom for people. Yeah, about this many percent of the people. In I don't know whether it's FDR's original inaugural inaugural speech in 33 or as he went on but he said and i'm going to try to quote the business of america is business yeah yep yeah and you think like it, i drive through drive through my city here mm -hmm. and and i look at all these old like right now there's uh there's an old uh manufacturing uh uh industrial building probably built in the early 20th century it was right in the same block where my father and his family grew up and this thing has been falling in on itself for the better part of 10 years right and now all of a sudden there's this revitalization and they're they're rebuilding the building but they're trying to keep a lot of the same um same as you know aspects of the building as as it, as it was and it made me think about how, like Syracuse, where I am, was a very industrial city at one point. You know, industrial manufacturing, right? And now that's all gone away for the most part. It's all gone away. Uh, we used we had two different two different car manufacturing plants. We had General Motors. We had New Process Gear Chrysler. Um, now, I am pro union. Always been pro union, but. The, the auto workers union legitimately like caused some of these shutdowns and for these companies to send the send the manufacturing somewhere else because of driving up those those salaries and stuff but were were they wrong because now you think about it and they were just trying realistically if you think about it now like they were trying to get ahead of where where the the trend was going um absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. Um, keeping, you know, as inflation has always been here or yeah. growth, they like to call it. Cause yeah, growth. It's nice called word. printing money. You know, printing money. They blame the unions for asking for what they asked for. Yeah. That's like blaming the ball players for getting a $400 million salary. You didn't have to say yes. Right. And, you know, and they created that environment. Right. You know, and um, I, I remember when they, the Yankees signed Reggie Jackson, I think he got a five million five year package or something. Anyway. Yeah. Going back to the manufacturing. Yes, there is a big issue with the auto industry. GM, about four, between 40 and 50 percent of their out go outlay of of money goes to people who are retired yeah and yeah that's a problem well the problem with one what are the problems is we never think ahead the last time i think we thought ahead is when kennedy said we're going on the moon before the end of the decade of the 60s but it's like in long island um i forgot his name again <laughs> A giant, he was a, a prick, but he was a giant of a thinker. When he built parkways, he built the Long Island Expressway. Well, created it. He didn't build it, you know. 
design um, it. They, uh, they tried to think ahead. What would happen 30 years, 40, 50 years from now? The Washington Bridge has four lanes underneath, I think four or five on top. I can't, I don't remember. Because they thought, you know, back then in the 1930s when these things were built, you had four cars on the road. Right. Yeah. Not four thousand. You know, I'm tired of, I've lived 75 years in this country and I'm tired of crisis management. Yeah. The only time they react is if there's a major issue. Well, guess what, folks? There's a major issue going on. It's called we hate each other. Yeah. (laughs) We don't want to do anything, you know? And one of the pieces that that I wrote for next week, or maybe I already posted it, man, I am gone, is this world, there's over 7 billion people in this planet. That's power. Yeah. You take all the leaders in all the countries in the world, what is it, a million people? Yeah. Two million people? Yeah. We have the power. Right. But we don't use it because, like I read to you before we got on the air, individuals are smart, but people are dumb and and stupid and scared and dangerous. And that's the problem. We can fix everything. That This isn't a problem that can't be fixed by us. Right. Right. We're thinking people. We're sentient thinking people. Yeah. But that would require this person and this person instead of doing this, doing this. Yeah. 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 I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's switch gears for a minute because there was something I wanted to talk about on the podcast that I've yet to talk on my social media. And I don't know how familiar you, you are with Syracuse University sports, but this week, uh, Syracuse University men's basketball, they go to the ACC tournament and they lose the first game. Now, there was some kind of indication there was something going on with Jim Beheim, the coach. And I know he, he retired. Retired, right? So let's, let me paint this picture for you because I've been thinking about this and I ha- wasn't quite sure. I've seen other friends and, 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 um, uh, associates posting on their their opinion about how this all transpired, and you know, Beheim really he, he what's that? I didn't say anything. Oh, I thought you said so. Beheim, <laughs> Beheim had a, a large extended contract, and realistically, he had kind of carte blanche on his career. But if you look over the last three to five seasons the men's basketball program is really just downgraded and not to, not to blame it on age, but realistically at his age, it makes to me, it makes it very difficult for a coach to connect with his players. He has nothing in common with the young players that are coming in. That's my opinion. So you fast forward and you come into the season and they start off badly. So now we're, you know, three or five seasons in and they start off bad all of a sudden, they started having a winning track. All right, we're coming around. The young, young players, kind of a rebuilding year. and But after four or five games now, they tank off again, and they get worse and worse and worse every week. And ticket sales are down. Attendance to the games are down, have been down for the last three years. Um, and I know from working at Syracuse University at the Carrier Dome, or it's not the Carrier Dome anymore, it's JMA Wireless Dome, um, yeah, new sponsor. Yeah, yeah. So 
that, you know, it's very much a business. So the beginning of the season, they were, they started prompting Jim Baham, when are you going to retire? And his answer was, I'll retire when I'm ready to retire. But the entire season, especially for my contract is right. So by the end of the season, though, he was being an absolute ass and a pork chop in every news interview. Something really seemed off. And all I can figure is, so his last, his speech after their loss in the ACC tournament was very nonchalant. It was very non-engaging. He was being a more pork chop. Like he had a reporter, he, he kept saying that, he said something like, I gave my retirement speech at the last game and nobody picked up on it. And the reporters all went, so are you retiring? He goes, it's up to the university. That's what he kept saying. It's up to the university. The very two hours later, I believe it was two hours later, the university releases a statement that Jim Beheim's no longer the head coach, that he's retiring. And they were going to name Adrian Autry as the head coach. I mean, all in one failed message. So... He must have said, or yeah, it, it's it's amazing he's lasted forty seven years. When was the last right. time they won the Final Four, let alone winning it? Right, two thousand two. Okay, so, <laughs> wow. so a few twenty one years is a long losing streak. But I want to go back to something you said about how his age, um, and he can't relate. I can't agree with that, and this is why. You ever hear of John Wooden? Yeah. Yep. Okay. He was not, he was in this age group when he retired and they were still winning. Not a lot of championships. I mean, they won 10 in a row or some crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to read his book, I, I recommend it highly. He, he was the same from when he was coaching in his early 20s in Midwest to the day he retired. And simple things like how to put your socks on so you don't get blisters and one day bill um walking what walton thank you bill walton comes in has a haircut and a beard and john pulled him aside and said listen you gotta get a hair i I don't remember was his haircut or a beard or both yeah yeah he goes but coach i like it he goes you know what What's the difference? He goes, well, because those are the rules. He goes, well, what if I don't? We're going to miss you, Bill. <laughs> and, and, and right. And, and I get it. I, I get it. You know, and th- that part I get. But where, where I've seen the change with the Syracuse men's basketball program is, um, and, and let me, I'll, I'll say this, you know, Jim Baham had a ton of success. He brought a ton of success to the program, to the college made a lot of excitement in Syracuse. Um, by far, the men's basketball games were more well-attended than the football games. Um, but you could see over the last five years or so, like when he stayed tried and true to the 2-3 zone. They never played any other defense. They played the 2-3 zone. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when you watch the guys play 2-3 two, 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 zone, their hands were always up, and they moved like a unit, you know, up, forward, whatever. Now these kids just stand there and they wait and they wait and then and then they get beat because they're they're waiting and you got guys popping all over the place to the point this year he he always said we're, we're never going to play man to man I have no reason to play man to man we 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 perfect the two three zone 
there was probably three or four games. I don't know how accurate that is. Three or four games this year, including the last one of the season where he shifted them into a man to man and they, and they just, they got, they did worse in the game. So I, I think there is still a disconnect there, but I also think there was some extenuating circumstances surrounding the coach between him and the university. And I, I would have to believe that the university was looking at it from a business standpoint and the ticket sales were down, the attendance were down, they weren't drawing the fans and right. somebody had to be blamed for it. Well, um, when any team is not doing well, who gets fired? The team, you know, the manager or the coach or the coach. Yeah. So, so from that point of view, I mean, he hasn't really done very well for 21 years. I think that's patience. Pretty good yeah. patience. Oh, yeah. And who knows? I mean, the day before the last game or whatever, he might they might have called him in the, the AD might have called him and sat him down and go, listen, but come on. Yep. 21 years. Yep. Nothing's changed. We had a little bit of run today. It ain't there anymore, Bill. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's time. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm not sure, if he's as belligerent as you were saying, he probably won't. You know. Yeah, yeah. One thing you don't do, even if you're a big name, your Patino or your Bobby Bobby Knight, is you don't tell the AD to go f himself. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and all that, yeah, and and you're 100 right because all I can figure is like you, if you look at Coach Shostovsky, Coach K with Duke. Announces his retirement at the beginning of the season. He has this whole pomp and circumstance until the end of the season, right? You, you know, sure as anything, when when oh Jimmy was going to go out, that that was going to happen, but it didn't happen that way, which doesn't make any sense. The other thing that is it, that really got called out to light, and I think we're really kind of war fans then, war the university then is like it really started to come out that that Bayheim played favorites. He played favorites with players instead of you know. Um, elevating some of the, the real talent he had on the team, he only elevated his favorites, his sons, first of all, because they were mediocre ball players at best. Jimmy Jimmy could hit three-point shots, and that's about all he could do. Joe Girard, that's all he could do is hit three-point shots. He got lucky other shots, but he was completely overrated, but he elevated these kids mm-hmm. instead of the quality talent he had and developing the quality talent that they had recruited on the bench. So that's why they left early. They went in the portal. They should have yeah. got fired right there, right? Wasn't it was nothing they could prove, but if you well, watch it for face value, if you're if you're fortunate, Deion Sanders' son happens to be a, a terrific quarterback. They won two championships or three championships, whatever it was. Right. And he brought and he brought him with him to Colorado. Right. Um, Coach McKay at, at at USC, his son was a great um, wide receiver. But if he wasn't, see, if you, every coach is going to have favorites. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, if you have, um, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the time he was Lou Alcindor in your lineup, eh, it's hard not to make him your favorite. And sure. along the line, they had some awesome teams, you know, of the 13 that played or the 15 that played, right. um, 13 in pro, 15 in college. You're going to have some you can't stand. Some you yeah. love and some you just feel. But if you're a coach, what is a coach? A coach, is, does, their purpose is to get you to be better than you think you could be. Right. Better right. than you know you can be. Right. And it's, and the favorites could come in, you know, other ways. 
but if you're smart, you don't let it out in public. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, 21 losing seasons. It's got a rub on you. Yeah. And in not that they were all losing season, but they weren't a championship season like they were in 02. You know, you know they, they had a one or two. Yeah. Yankees make the playoff 800 times out of 801 years. But, uh, you know. but speaking of the speaking of the Yankees, did you happen to see uh, Aaron Boone hit a home run yesterday? Yeah, I heard that batting practice. Yeah, it was a batting practice. It hits home run. Pretty awesome. This is there's an article this morning in in the, on the, the Yankee um, app that's yep. run by NewJersey.com, which was a star ledger here. Jason Dominguez has hit three monster home runs. Monster, wow. nothing under 400 feet. Mon- oh, but it. You know we can't bring him up to the majors because those were minor league pitches. He he come he doesn't start the game. Anthony Volpe, he is the second coming of somebody. I'm not gonna call him Derek Jeter. He is there. Oh, yeah. but you know we only had 22 games and or eight games or whatever the hell it is in AAA. You know he's probably not ready. Meanwhile, the guy they think designated as the starting shortstop. Okay, you know, um, Isaiah. He's batting 091. Oh, I know. He, they should have got rid of him. Pereira uh, is, is batting 250, you know, but he's made errors. Uh, Isaiah's made errors. Volpe has been excellent. Oh, but, you know, he's giving us thought. What the, what the fuck is there to think about? Oh, you know? they, but you think about it, they're the same they're damn thing to Jeter. Yeah, Hater got hurt yesterday. He's some kind of oblique injury. Takes for these guys, you know, these players nowadays are very fragile. Very yeah. fragile. Yeah. Well, they're they're already starting the season with three, three pitchers on the IL. Yeah, now, now you need to send a pick. I'm glad they don't ask. They, they don't because the fans are going. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, Montez Mont Montez. Is that how you pronounce his name? The guy from Oakland they got last year. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He he said, "Well, I really wasn't hundred when I came over. I thought you're supposed to take a physical." Before yeah, I you thought you're supposed to pass a physical. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It's anyway. Yeah, we got we, got, we went from what we were talking about to uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's how these conversations go. Lot. If the Mets keep it together and not, not and people don't get hurt, which is a long that's saying a lot. Yeah, I don't see them not. They're an amazing team. Right. They're better, on paper, they're better than the Yankees or Yankees yeah. have more bangers. Problem is when you live and die by the home run. Somebody you live and a, die by the home run. Somebody got to get a single. Yeah, you know, they used to say that World Series were won by pitching. Oh, now it's home runs. Really? That's because pitchers <laughs> don't last past the sixth know. inning. I don't know. I, I kind of thought the Astros did a pretty good job on the pitching side last year. Yeah, well, that's true. Like that's true. Yeah. yeah. But, here's well, here's I'm, a here's right. a a last segment for you. So I was I was scanning through the other day and I didn't watch the whole thing, but um, I can't remember his name. One of the sharks from Shark Tank, right? He was on on some news show saying that since a lot of companies went to remote work from the pandemic, that now workers are refusing to come back to work. 
that that I I saw that that news title and he was talking and I didn't get into the whole interview maybe I'm misinterpreting it but I I yes the world shifted business shifted companies shifted because they had to and and remote work made sense and because of stuff like this remote work makes makes sense and you don't need that $10,000 a month lease payment that you have to make to have a, a a brick and mortar you have everybody work from home but I find it difficult to believe if you're paying somebody a salary and you say, all right, guys, gals, come back in the office. We're, we're not no longer remote works, no longer an option that if you're paying them a decent salary and they love the culture and they love working there, that they're going to go, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain segment that certainly would. But um, let me tell you something. I've been working at home from home now for a while. And it gets old, especially as real estate agents. Real estate agents and most office workers, I guess, there's a social aspect of it. Yeah. Where where you grow as a person, where you can communicate, where you can laugh, you can solve the world's problems, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Where you can sit there, go grab a cup of coffee and have a, a 10 minute chat with somebody. Right. That's the missing formula. But. If somebody's not the people that quit starting in, um, I guess it was August of 20, the people that quit were because they didn't know the management or ownership didn't care about them, was pay, underpaying them, didn't hear from them, right. all the things that we've talked about. But saying that they don't want to come back to work, no, they don't want to come back to the office. There's a big right. difference there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think it would be fun now, even though I'm not exactly in my 20s. No? Just a little off. <laughs> Just a little off. Yeah. Um, commuting might be fun. It's a drag. I mean, on its worst days, it's not fun. But I think... And I, I just had this conversation. Well, my wife always busts on me because she's like, why do you make all these coffee meetings like for the real estate business? Why do you make coffee meetings? Because it gets me out of the house. I get to go socialize and not just talk to myself. Um, and I do have an opportunity to, if I wanted to, to get an office space at the real estate office and do all of my work. But I'm so entrenched and so well set up here at home that I, I kind of shy away from that. Now, if it was a role reversal and there wasn't work from home and you were expected to be in an office somewhere, yeah, then you adapt and you get set up and well entrenched of in your workspace. Um, but I think, I, I, I just think like people have found that they're way more productive working from home, that they, they sit down, they get their work done and, the, but they also have the freedom to go throw a load of laundry in or, you know, uh, whatever it might be, clean something at home, but still get your work done. What do you think? There's a catchy name for all that. Want them to get them back to the office. It's called control control yeah yeah for sure you can't do your laundry you can only go to lunch at a certain time yeah you can yep. take a five minute coffee break but they want to control you hey, i'm paying you a hundred thousand dollars a year you have to listen to me right and that's why people are just saying uh -uh, i'm out of here yep i'm out of here you know they, I don't know if there's the reason for unions, obviously, because there was no respect between ownership and, and, and the workers. Right. Um, apparently, there still isn't any in many right. cases. Starbucks right. comes to mind. 
<laughs> but the American worker is overworked, underpaid, and for the ones that are really successful, congratulations. Yeah. But if anything has taught us that management's job is to make sure everybody beneath them, or excuse me, that they manage makes money every week before they do. Then, then they're a successful. Oh, now you put it up. <laughs> they're successful. You're not the only one with a foggy mind, my friend. <laughs> I, that's everything for me. Um, other countries, I mean, Norway pays high taxes. They do. But they also get like 30 days paid vacation, 160 days paid um, birth. Uh, Rental after the kid is born, Mark. Talk about foggy brain, you know. Maternity yeah. leave. We're behind the times because we all, the government allows companies to do whatever they feel like because it's a free market system. Oh, what? No. There is no, you know, used to be you would graduate from college school or college, you'd get a job at Boeing Aircraft or something. And you'd spend the next 40, 45 years working for them. And at the end of the time, you'd get a nice pension and a gold watch and adios. That was way before health benefits. You didn't yeah. need health benefits. We used to go to the doctors. Like, say I had a cold or something, flu. And my and my mother would take me. If my sister was home, the three of us would go. The doctor for five bucks would examine us. And if he had to give you a right. shot, it was like a buck and a half. And right. he was still living in a beautiful home driving a Cadillac. Yeah. So no. you can't tell me we need health insurance. There was hospitalization. There was major medical hospitalization. That's all. My parents didn't have to go through and get medical insurance. There should be. In a nation like this, there shouldn't be a need for Medicare. There shouldn't be a need for Social Security. But there yeah. is. So stop trying to, I'm not going to say it because that would be political. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, to, to go back to the beginning of this segment is I, I worked almost 20 years doing shift work, probably over 20 years doing shift work. You couldn't pay me enough money to go back doing shift work. Uh-uh, mm -hmm. no way. No. You know, it's funny that the same words came out of my friend's mouth yesterday. She, um, she was top realtor and she's just, she goes, you should be on your knees thanking the Lord for not doing real estate anymore. But then she started telling me what's going on. And it's like, no, thank you. No, oh, thank yeah. you. At yeah. least what you're finally doing now, and I hope you're happy with the commercial, is you're dealing with people. The only thing that's important to them is does it make monetary sense? Yep. What's my down? What's my ROI? How yep. long am I going to get my down, down, back so I can use it again? If it makes sense, if it makes sense on paper, I'm buying it. And it doesn't yep. matter what it looks like because the price will be commensurate with what it looks like. It's called value. Right. right. But home buyers now are crazy from what I've been hearing. Absolutely nuts. This I, is I think it's, I was just going to say, I, I just think that. The last three years of the residential real estate business has just not only wore out the agents, but it's really worn thin on, on buyers just because of, you know, you can't go find that that 
asset that you were looking to purchase and you can't find it in, in, in a plentiful matter to be able to just go, you know, I love that house. I, I don't want to compete against 14 people to buy it. Unfortunately, it's around here. It's still like that. She was telling me that she has a client that a year ago were looking at a $700,000 house. Now they can only afford a $500,000 house. Okay. No problem. It's their sure. choice. Sure. She shows them every house in the book that's there, all two of them, you know. And they, it's right. listed, she explains to them houses are still getting multiple offers, dozens. Oh, okay. We understand. Yep. They find a house, it's listed at 525. And they offer 537. She goes, What? Okay. But I'm telling you up front, there's going to be multiple offers. Out of 20 offers, they were number 16. Wow. Right? <laughs> and then she's complaining about this woman. She showed this particular model of a condo 500 times. And, the, right? and every time, it's, so the woman finally sees one that she likes. She's telling me, Bob, you got to understand, it's the same one, only uh, in a different location. It's exactly right. the same shape, color, you know. And it was listed at like 300. She goes, well, do I have to offer list? Um, you can, but, you know, well, I'm going to offer, let's say it was three. She goes, I'm going to offer 325, and you're not going to get it. Oh, yeah, I'll get it. So you, this is a woman who is as, you could punch her, and she's still be calm. She explodes on a woman and says, that's it. I'm done yet. I'm not showing you another damn condo. I, I had to break the heart of a good friend of mine the other day because he's been looking for this unicorn of a property to buy, right? Of course. You know, acreage, the right house, the right location, so on and so on. So don't you know the house comes on the market? Great. So he calls me. Right, I love that house. We got to go see it. I'm like, all right, let me look at it. I said, okay. Do you have $215,000 in cash? He's like, what? I go, it's a cash only sale. They're selling it as is. It needs a lot of work. Who carries around $215,000 in their pocket? You'd be surprised. <laughs> the average. So the people that she's working with, one's an, uh, an older woman. The one that offered like nothing compared to what it went for are like 25, 26. So they're 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 either in the market or doing something, yeah. you know. Yep. But it's not the fact that they didn't get it that bugs her. Is they're not learning. Not they're not right. realizing you can't get what you think. Well, I'm not paying more than list. Well, you're not getting the house. Well, yeah, that's just it. Yeah, I've had those conversations. Like a car, a suggested list price. Well, how dare you charge ten thousand more than a list price? Because I can. Because, yes, because somebody's going to buy it. Because there's, if you noticed, our parking lot used to be filled with new cars, and now there's five in there. Yeah. Supply and demand. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you don't buy it, he will. Yeah, simple, will. <laughs> simple economics. Oh, I know. It's I don't know how many times the last three years I wrote offers that just they had no chance. They had no chance because they just wanted to go five grand over the list price, and there was eight offers on the house. They had no chance. Oh, yeah. It just, yeah, it's mean, just—it's complicated and it's challenging. There's still houses around here are still selling for hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand over asking. Asking, and my last comment will be: 
Are you out of your mind? This market cannot sustain itself forever. Unless you're going to be there for 30 years where you might recoup. Some of your equity. You know, yeah. I couldn't say this one. You can't say it. I can't because I'm not licensed anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You out of your mind? I I don't understand the speeding frenzy. How bad? The only people who have to, have to, have to buy a house is somebody in a 1031 exchange. Somebody who sold their house before buying. Yep. Somebody who the house is, they got to get out because they can't afford it anymore. You know, or they already bought a house. Like I said, everybody else is what's wrong with you people. Oh, and, and the other thing is, is like homeowners have no motivation to sell a house. If they refine two years ago or a year ago, refinance their house at 2.75 or 3%, they have no motivation to sell right now unless they have to move, like you're saying. Yeah. If, if I had a house that's, let's say I paid two fifty for it, now it's worth a million. And I have no intention of buying a million dollar house. I'm moving to Florida. I'd like to buy like a $300,000 ranch with a pool. Okay, but I'm not motivated to sell because now I have zero outlay except for utilities. Right. Down there, I'm going to have to start paying $2,300. Yeah. My friend's house, she pays $1,900 a month on her mortgage. She goes, if I sell my house, I'm going to be paying more than that in rent. Her, yeah. kids, her kids, two boys moved out, moved into an apartment together. She says it's smaller than a closet. And they're paying two thousand. Yeah, can't even imagine. And, and Nar, listen to me, Nar, you ain't doing your job, and you're doing the, <laughs> not doing the realtors or the public any favors with your advertising. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think we should end there because I'm. Yeah, I think that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get me in trouble, and you you won't be able to get in trouble. He didn't um, say it. I did. I, that's right, Bob Con, B O B K A H N. Um. So with that, as we end the show here today, pause. Um, Today is kind of an end of this effort. Uh, In in 2020, in the middle of pandemic, I I started this podcast uh, because, well, we all had extra time then, but it was something that I wanted to do do for fun. I thought it would uh, make a difference. And 108 episodes later, I've had, uh, we've had some great, conversations we've had some great uh interviews i interviewed some some well-known people somewhat well-known people and i've interviewed people you didn't know i've i've had the privilege of having kind of a subset of the podcast and the round table and getting to sit down with you know three very successful young career women um and those were always great conversation um and at 108 episodes and um looking at where Bob and I want to take the podcast. Um, at this point, this will be the last episode of at the coffee table, uh, at the coffee table was all about, you know, sitting down and, and just having conversation like we have nothing was ever scripted or very rarely was it ever scripted. Um, you know, and the conversations were, you know, I had episodes that were, you know, home runs and I had a couple I'd rather delete and I'd forget about, um, but at, at, at this time, you know, we've made the conscious decision that, that we're going to end at the coffee table uh, with the hopes of um, 
you know, generating a new podcast in, in a different niche. Um, but again, I thank everybody that has supported the podcast. I think, I think everyone that took their time to join me on the podcast and have conversations. Um, and I look forward to doing stuff like this in the, in the near future, but this run has come to an end. So with that, I'll let Bob end this last episode. For now. For now. (laughs) Be nice. Stay safe. And of course, laugh a lot. And we'll talk to you soon. Bob, I appreciate you. I appreciate our audience. Please drop a comment or share this uh, with anybody that might find it entertaining. And with that, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Have a great day. Peace.